Today's episode is brought to you by the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. Now listen, the current political and social climate, combined with the urgent challenges that our black men and boys are facing, demand that we act boldly right now. 25% of black children don't graduate high school on time. Compare that to the national average of 17%. Now if we compound the issue even further, black male graduation rate sits at 59%. Compare that to 65% for Latino males and 80% for white males, and you realize why CBME is a beacon of hope. They're the only organization right now making themselves available to those leaders and organizations that are underground, working to advance the cause and reverse this narrative for black men and boys. If you've not yet done so, I urge you today to visit tbpod.com partners. Learn more about the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. Consider joining their membership and investing in the future of our black men and boys. You're listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast, where we'll explore the stories of today's successful black professionals, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Join us to access the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished professionals and come away with the know-how, confidence, and motivation you'll need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. I'm your host, Stephen A. Hart. Our featured guest for today is Marcus Blackwell. Marcus is the CEO and founder of Make Music Count. It's a math curriculum taught through music. Marcus is a graduate of Morehouse College and he's played professional gospel piano since the age of 16. And I really enjoyed this episode, learning about Marcus, his dedication and energy to help develop creative methods that convince students to embrace mathematics. And one quick thing before we got into today's episode, I'm beginning to explore potential guests for our 2020 class of featured guests. We've got 40 to 45 episode slots for the entire year of 2020. And I've already secured about a dozen episodes for next year. So I'm wanting to hear who you'd like us to feature on the show. If you know of a successful Black entrepreneur, business owner, a leader, or just someone crushing it at the highest level, I'd love for you to hit me up or even think about just having them complete an application to be a guest on the show. You can find the application over at stevenahart.com slash guest application. Okay, so let's not waste any time today. Let's go ahead and grab a pad and pen or open your favorite note-taking app right now. And let's get set to receive today's motivational mission fuel from our future trailblazer for today, Marcus Blackwell. Marcus, welcome to trailblazers.fm, my brother. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... We love to start every conversation off from a place of gratitude. And so I'd love to pick your brain and have you share what's an unexpected blessing or opportunity that you're most grateful for in your life right now. I've got to say it's the birth of my big girl, my new dad. My daughter is eight months, little Victoria Elizabeth Blackwell. And it's just been amazing. She's a fantastic baby. She's already, you know, just it's amazing. Everything about it is amazing. Something different every week. And it's just something that I don't know if you can really prepare for, you know, like, you know, you're going to be a dad, but when it happens, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is, 
incredible. So you cannot prepare for being a parent. I tell new parents all the time, Blazer Nation has heard me say this many times before, but I refer to parenting as the hardest job in the world with no prior work experience. It it is, you cannot explain it. (laughs) You can give advice about it, but no two children are the exact same. So my experience is, even in my own household, my wife and I have two kids and we thought, okay, we know exactly what we were getting into the second time around with our son that we did the first time around with our daughter. And it just is complete. <laughs> like, you're like, how, how can we nurture two children exact same? You can't. And the very nature of these two children are polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. You just jump but in nothing there. Nothing like being a dad of a young girl, man. Yeah. You know, and the thing was, is, that was new because I grew up with, uh, I have two younger brothers. Mm. So I have experience raising boys and all of that. And this is the first girl, oh man, in like four generations or something like that. Wow. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You know, jumping right in there, but it's incredible. Girls are awesome. So it's about to be like bad boys when them boys come knocking on the door. You know, your brother's going to be like, <laughs> we're already ready. We're already ready. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's nice. Right. That's nice. <laughs> Marcus, you're in Atlanta, right? Yes. I'm originally from Connecticut, Windsor, Connecticut, but I live in Atlanta now. I've been here since, oh boy, 2005 when I came down here to go to Morehouse. And Atlanta was so good to me. I was like, I couldn't leave. Couldn't leave, man. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Connecticut. So you grew up around a whole heap of Jamaicans. Yes, man. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. No. <laughs> No, look, man. Crazy Jamaicans in Connecticut. <laughs> and it's a lot of Jamaicans because, like, that's how I learned how to dance. That's why I play soccer. Like, I'm telling you, like, I grew up, I was the only, I'm not Jamaican, I'm just African-American. But on my soccer team, we're all Jamaicans. And so, like, man, a lot of people didn't know that. So I appreciate that, man. <laughs> what was life like growing up in Connecticut beyond that? So Connecticut... It's a small state, really, really small state, but it has a wide range of really, really rich, but also really, really poor. And because it's such a small state, you can see all the different like cities and where they lie and everything. So with a mixture of all races, but I also grew up in an area understanding that there's division and that the wealth was not shared at all Mm -hmm. and you know you could literally live (laughs) the next so i was born in hartford hartford is the capital of connecticut but hartford is probably what like the third poorest city inside of connecticut which is like the wealthiest state you know Mm. but if we moved over to the very next town which is windsor and everything was so much better like Mm -hmm. and it's literally like the very next town it's not even like oh you gotta travel like 30 minutes down the road, no, it's the next town over. And now it, everything is so much different. And so I used to grow up seeing, especially playing soccer, because, mm-hmm. you know, in soccer, you play all the different towns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could see, like, wow, we're in a really rich area. And it, it's just amazing how it wasn't shared in such a small type of state, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I appreciate it because it taught me how to operate all different types of areas like mm-hmm. how to engage with rich people how to engage with you know the hood like all that i appreciate connecticut for that 
So what drew me to you? I stumbled, I shared this with you in calls prior to this conversation, but I don't even, I'm trying to think if it was somewhere on Twitter, but I stumbled on your platform some weeks back, probably a couple months ago. And man, I tell you, I have faith like Abraham because <laughs> I knew that in this year's editorial, I had two slots following this entrepreneur series that I'd really wanted to have a conversation around education. Mm. And so just stumbling on your platform again in the last couple of weeks was just like, wow. you know. And I had, I had no plan for this episode. I was just like, it's going to oh, wow. work itself out. And Amen. so, you know, Marcus and I connected over LinkedIn and here we are. And so, you know, I came across your platform. You're the founder and the owner of an amazing platform called Make Music Count. I'd love for you to tell us about Make Music Count and maybe share with our community what's driving you right now in the work that you're doing. Yeah. So Make Music Count is an ed tech company that I created where we're all about using creativity to educate children. And so our first product that we created is an app that teaches kids how to get better at math by learning how to play popular songs on the piano. And so we believe that there's no such thing as a student that cannot do math. It has a really bad stigma attached with it. And so a lot of people think that they can't do math. Well, we just think that it's low confidence. And so what we created was a way for us to introduce cultural relevancy that speaks to actual students in their background. So music and the music that they listen to at home. And we use that as an incentive and reward for applying their understanding of math concepts. It's almost like an educational guitar hero, but on the piano. (laughs) That's what it's like. And so, you know, again, it was really my background in Connecticut that led to this, right? So, you know, I grew up, my mom is an educator. She started off as a teacher and worked her way all the way up to being a principal of schools in, in Connecticut. My father was a church musician. That's also a huge background of mine growing up in church. You know, so I've played the piano since I was little, everything from classical to jazz to gospel, and and actually started playing professionally at 16 as a church musician. And that was because, you know, always walking around with my dad, going to choir rehearsals and everything, that stuff just seeps in, you know? And so what Make Music Counted is honestly like a combination of both my mom's background and my dad's background, right? So, and also in addition to that, the reason why I'm familiar with this bad stigma of math is because I had it first, you know? And so in Connecticut, I had teachers that, you know, it's a little tricky sometimes with, I want to be careful with how I talk about like education in Connecticut because all teachers aren't like this, but the ones that I had didn't really know how to treat me as someone that wanted to be there. Mm. You know, a lot of teachers assume that black students don't want to be in school. They're misbehaving. Well, I did. And so you know, I wasn't given the extra help needed when I was like, uh, I want to be good at math, but I need some extra help. So I wasn't given that. And so coming from a household of educators, my dad was a Morehouse man. My mom went to Connecticut College of UConn. They were like, well, there's no bringing home bad grades in this house. So we're going to need you to find a solution. So I had to, yes, which was playing the piano. And it was really just one day in college realizing that playing the piano means that you understand math that it gave me the confidence to say, you know what, if I'm this good at playing the piano and it takes math to play the piano, it's got to mean that I'm also good at just math in general. Mm -hmm. And so that gave me the confidence to then become a math major and 
you know, just further investigate how this math and music piece kind of came together. So that's kind of like the background for where Make Music Count came from. But it's actually the reason why it works so well is because I lived through a real math phobia, found a solution. And, you know, kids can tell that I've been there and have just used something that was a passion of mine to, you know, fix an issue that I had. And that's really the core of what Make Music Count is. Marcus, that's really awesome. Interesting to hear the mashup of how you took the strengths of your mom as an educator, your dad as a musician, and even looking at the problem, right? Which I love, by the way, I really enjoyed looking at your website where you had very clear messaging about the problem and the solution that Make Music Count is trying to provide, right? Let me ask you just a clarification for our community. You talked about serving children. Is there a particular age group of children that you are serving? Yeah. So our curriculum is Common Core aligned. So we start with third graders and we go all the way up through high school, 12th grade. But I'll also say, even though we are Common Core aligned, I have worked with students who are younger than third grade with this method and it has worked tremendously. Right. I don't believe in limitations or saying, oh, you got to be this old to understand something. No, learning is learning. And if it makes sense, then everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. I ask you something. And it makes perfect sense. You just highlighted the backstory, but you're an entrepreneur. You're a business owner at this point. I'm sure, like many of us as entrepreneurs, entrepreneurially wired folk, you had many ideas. Why this one? Why this project and not something else? Well, actually, I might be a little bit different because this was the only idea I had. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I didn't. But Bla- see, blasphemy <laughs> to all the entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I know that's I know that's a little bit odd. I know there's usually a bunch of ideas, but see, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. Mm. Wow. You know, the way that this started was, again, I had to find a solution for my own math phobia. I said, how Absolutely. can I fix Marcus's issue? Mm-hmm. And when I finally made the connection, I just started investigating. Like, So when I graduated, I was an engineer um, working at GE. So every evening, I would just go home and you know try some stuff out. Like, how does math and music come together? How can I make a math equation with musical terms? And so I one evening just made something that made sense. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder mm-hmm. if other kids would like this. And so I had a lot of educator friends mm-hmm. that were like, when I asked them, you know, if this would be something that would be helpful to them, they said, if you've got something that can engage kids and that's, you know, enrichment based and especially helping in math, just come in here and try it. So I started this out just as a volunteer. It was just something that I thought could help. And so what ended up happening is that after doing it for free for about six months, other schools found out about my work and began to call me to ask me to come and do it at their school too. That's how my business got started. It was not that, oh, I have a business idea and I, you know, it just kind of developed along the way of just kind of doing the work. That's what I would say you got to do. You just got to do the work and things just kind of work themselves out. I love that. You touched on something that I want to circle back to. You're an engineer by training, yes? Is that yeah. what you studied at Morehouse? No, no. So at Morehouse, I was a math major. You're a math major. Yeah. So, you know, again, this math phobia thing was real. 
And, you know, at that school, they're always pumping us up like, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. And I was like, well, there was always one issue I've always had, and that was with math. And that's when the discovery started coming like, hey, maybe music can help me do this. So I was just a regular, pure math major. But because you're a math major, it opens up so many opportunities. And so I had an opportunity to intern at GE over the summer while I was in college. And that's when I kind of got introduced to the engineering space. And that's where my first full-time job offer came from. Wow. So a math major ends up in engineering, and then you decide to become an entrepreneur? (laughs) Explain the pivot. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked at GE for three years, but at the same time, I was also at home trying this idea out. Like I couldn't shake this idea that, you know, the math and music that I had done in college was, there was something more there. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, create stuff at home, you know, and the last six months of my time at GE was the time I spent at the school once a week teaching these lessons. Like my first lesson that I taught was teaching the kids how to play two chains. I'm different from (laughs) fractions application, right? So, you know, once a week I would make these songs. And so after six months, I had all these lessons And that's how I made my first workbook that a school was able to buy. You know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this stuff all came together. Like, yes, the opportunity came. A school said, hey, can you come do this and we'll pay you. But I had also created, you know, a book for them to purchase as well. In addition to me actually, you know, teaching the class, right? So that's how that ended up happening. Wow. So you're stepping into this and... It still sounds like you're a technician, you're offering this, but walk me through kind of the first steps as you're beginning to explore the business side of this, right? Like, yeah, what, so, what were the steps to structuring this business model? So our first business model, when the school asked me, hey, can you come and do this? I was like, okay, how would I even teach this? You know, so I knew that I would have to provide piano keyboards for a school. They said that they would purchase my workbooks for the kids. And then I would come in and teach my class. We started off as a summer program. So it was like Monday through Thursday. And I would teach from like, you know, from 9 a.m. to 12 or something like that. And I was paid per hour, you know. So it became a business when I started, you know, negotiating my hourly rate. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what is that even supposed to be? Like, what's the rate? Like, I didn't even, I made everything up, made Mm -hmm. everything up. Right. And I knew I was like, well, I know I'm not going to be able to work out, you know, an engineering salary through this. But what can I do to kind of sustain myself? Right. So that's how we started was as this summer enrichment and after school program that schools paid us by the hour. And so what ended up happening, we did such a great job for that summer program. They extended it to the school year. And within that year, we went from one school to 10. And so then I was like, okay, I need some help because I can't be at 10 places at once. So I went back to Morehouse and Spelman and Clark Atlanta and hired students to be my teachers at these different schools. That's how we became an actual functioning business with employees. And, you know, like I said, I was just making this up. Like if there were 10 schools that needed me all after school, I needed some help. So I went to go hire people. Mm. So Ho has... Did you have help? Did you even need to market the business? Have you ever had the need to, or has it just Um, grown organically over time? So it has been organic. So in education, things are more organic. Teachers talk to each other. I was invited to educational conferences to start sharing my method. I would say now that 
our company is 100% digital and an app. That takes more marketing just because of like social media aspects and, you know, trying to reach parents and teachers on Instagram and Facebook. That takes some marketing, but it's all still under parents talk to each other. What's helping tutoring? What's helping, you know, all that type of thing. So, you know, just kind of being a part of the community has been really helpful just from an educational perspective, but also from an ed tech perspective as well. There's a big, big ed tech or just technology community here in Atlanta now. And we've been very fortunate to get the support of the resources. Like, you know, there's a Google for startups here in Atlanta, places like the Gathering Spot that's really popular where, you know, technology professionals and other professionals all kind of go to these areas and it makes it really easy to network. So. It's been a mixture of both. When we first started, it was organic. Let me ask you something. As you're going through this process, you talked about bringing on kids back at Clark and Morehouse. How are you, are there mentors? Are there people that you're looking to who you trust and are able to give you objective feedback that can help you to kind of grow the business? Yeah. So you're always going to need mentors when it comes to building any type of business. My mentors ended up being in the education space, of course. So, you know, I got pretty close with some Department of Education people that were started because, again, I had no experience, you know, being a vendor with education. I had no experience with, you know, teaching before I just kind of jumped in and became an after school teacher with my program. So, you know, you're going to need help. No one can do anything by themselves, right? So even once we transitioned to building an app, right? Like I didn't know the tech space. I didn't know how to build an app. Like how do you, I'm not a coder. Where do I go to be able to, you know, get this done? So fortunate areas that have been very helpful to me. Number one has been New Schools Venture Fund, which I applied for and got some funding which I definitely advise anybody else in education to apply for. Also, WeWork, the company WeWork, sponsored a pitch competition that I applied for and was able to win some funding to give me the money to actually build my app, right? And then, you know, also I just had to bootstrap my business as well. Like, fortunately, we were making money as an after-school program, but I knew that we were going to have to make our app because... My initial business model was not scalable, right? Like, what was I going to do? Buy pianos for every school in the country and, you know, find college students in every state? No. So I knew that I had to take the class experience and bring it to a digital platform. And that's what we've been able to do. So now that we're scalable, we can be used as a supplement during the school day. We can still be used after school as an enrichment. And since we're an app in the app store, we can be found on any device so that kids can use us as tutoring at home as well. Hmm. So walk me through this. I'm picking your brain and everyone listening, like Marcus and I had our first conversation two days ago. And while I looked at this platform, like my mind is blown listening to you talk about how you've kind of stepped into this. So you work through the curriculum and you created this curriculum and it was Mm -hmm. applicable in a classroom setting, but this transition for a moment, was it your engineering brain that got turned on to the process of how could I systemize, how could I create processes and systems around this and bring this into an app? Yeah, I definitely think that my technical side, my math major, and also my experience working at GE Mm -hmm. has definitely contributed to why my business functions well today. You know, just kind of getting that corporate experience and 
you know, the term that they taught me there was learning how to drink from a fire hose, Mm -hmm. you know, has taught me kind of like a work ethic for how to balance so many things. Because as an entrepreneur, you're wearing all the hats, you know, you're the financial person, you're the content creator, you're the marketer, right? Like you're the pitch competition participant, like all of that, you know? So my corporate experience definitely helped me develop a work ethic. But then also my math major's mind kind of contributed to, okay, if I'm going to teach kids how to play the piano, what are the steps needed to start from the very beginning? Like I had to dissect everything about music that I knew to start from the very beginning so that anybody could pick up my app and try it out, even if they've never played the piano before and still be successful. Mm. So I had to, you know, going back to my math proof days in college, like what were your steps to getting from, you know, the problem to the solution, right? So I had, I'm definitely understand that it took that math major, you know, mindset to kind of break down the solution. Fortunately, I was able to break down what everything meant music wise to give it a math definition so that anybody could pick up our app and use it immediately. And then also be able to improve in their math at the same time. Mm-hmm. So how has the app been received since you've kind of made that transition? Oh man, it's the best decision I could have ever made. It's actually much better than my previous model. So our app is number one, it's very easy to understand. It takes you through the steps of everything that you need. So essentially just to kind of explain how it works, we turn the piano into a number line. And from there, looking at the piano as a math instrument and a math tool, we're then able to turn musical expressions into math equations that you would then solve to get the notes to play songs. That's how it actually works. So you're counting intervals between keys, and that's how the actual math works within the app. But kids love it. You know, it's engaging you know, it's fun. You know, we use music again as a reward. So it's actually making kids do math. So everything from fractions to times tables, division to algebra, pre-calculus and calculus, like we are covering all this math and making it fun, you know? And so teachers are like blown away because, you know, they'll give me the kids that say they hate math, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take those. That's who I look for. And, you know, from there, They'll do more work in my class the first day meeting me than they would have the entire semester, right? So, you know, this is really impactful. But even from like a business perspective, like it's so much easier for me to create lessons now. I can make them faster. I don't have to rewrite an entire book and resubmit a book, right? I can Mm -hmm. just, you know, create an app immediately on the spot. Different math subjects, different songs. Like if there's a hot song out on a radio or a new TV show, we just did lessons from the TV show Steven Universe, which is huge with, with a lot of kids. So like transitioning to this digital platform has been the best decision. It was the hardest decision and a very hard transition, but it was worth it. Absolutely. And so the app is available on both iPhone as well as Google Play Store? Yes, 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 yes. So if you just go to the App Store and search Make Music Count, the app will pop right up. It's free to download. And you'll be able to go in and try it out. But there is a subscription as well once you sign up and create an account. But also for schools, this is excellent. We license the app to schools as well. So for $4 a student, they can use our app for the entire school year. 
in math class and music class. It's excellent for like homework support. It really works well. It really works well. And it, I think it's because we've not only just used music, but again, we're intentionally culturally relevant. So, you know, we're using songs like Migos. We're using songs by like, you know, The Baby and, you know, Rihanna and Beyonce, right? Like songs that speak to kids, you know, because they're listening to this stuff anyway, right? So we might as well meet students where they are and use what they're listening to to get some results in education. And that's really what we were able to accomplish here. And has there been results? Like, what were the results from that, right? Like, you've been doing this for a while now. How has that impacted the kids that you have using the app versus not? Yeah, so success for us is seen in many different forms. So number one, we were seeing math performance increase. So math scores, performance going up. So that's one. But in addition, confidence, increase in confidence. That's what we're all about. So the confidence that kids gain from using our app transfers over to the classroom. Mm -hmm. So like kids will, you know, solve algebra equations to produce a song in my app. And that confidence will go back to the classroom, right? So that's what we're all about here is like confidence is increasing. But even things like playing the piano, right? So, you know, kids are learning how to play the piano. So like after using my app, they may want to go and actually do some piano lessons, you know, traditionally, right? We've seen this work extra well with special needs students. This has also been great with students who are good at math. You know, this isn't just for remedial, you know, work, but a lot of my students that are excellent at math like the fact that there's a method to learn how to play another instrument. Wow. Isn't the universe interesting in that way? How those two connect? You know, but see, that's my argument. Why aren't we teaching? Why isn't the education system teaching how subjects are connected? You know, if somebody would have told me that, Marcus, you as a piano player also means that you're good at math, I would have been healed a long time ago. (laughs) But it's taught separately. It's taught, and you can't do one without the other. You know, that's the argument. And that's really my hope here is that our app that teaches math through music will serve as a spark to other teachers to be creative, right. to connect the dots between other subjects, right? Like what we're talking about here is a brand new way to educate kids. Again, cultural relevancy, the connectivity between different subjects, like that's new, that's new, right? So that's really my hope here is that we can start a movement where teachers are deliberately being creative and just seeing what will happen. What would happen if, you know, if I connected history to science? What would happen if I connected music to, I don't know, space? I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, the whole curiosity and creative aspect is what we're all about here and what we're trying to get people to look into. Wow. So let me ask you, what's next, right? As you look ahead, the app is beginning to develop and people are becoming aware of this. Where do you see this going as you look ahead to 2020 and maybe in the next two or three years? Yeah. So I would say, number one, we're looking to really scale now. You know, any school, public, private, charter, please come and use our app. We are seeing remarkable results in creativity and improvement in mathematics in our students in third through 12th graders. So I would say scaling, but not just nationally, but we've got interest overseas as well. And so I definitely see us being able to 
use this globally because we are working with two universal languages, both math and music, which means that we can be culturally relevant to any type of kid. And everybody needs help in math in one way or another. So just looking how we can actually saturate the market. But I would say, you know, also we will be teaching other subjects as well, not just math, but English, you know, just investigating how we can do this creativity piece. And the thing is, is that we're starting to see that our platform can be used in many, many different ways. We just did a collaboration with Cartoon Network where we were able to feature songs from Steven Universe, the movie, in our, we made these math videos called Musical Minutes, Mm. which are essentially me teaching lessons in the app. And so, you know, now that we did that with Cartoon Network, it's like, man, I want to be able to work with Nickelodeon, be able to work with Disney. Like, you know, using content from platforms to be able to have this conversation around education with kids, but just in a fun way. So there's another trailblazer, another past guest that we need to connect with when this call is done. So bring me back to that. When this call wraps. Awesome. What's your end goal? My end goal is to close the achievement gap. Number one, I think that math is presented to minority communities. Now we have a way to fight back, and that's going to be through methods like this. So number one, closing the achievement gap. But number two, eliminating math phobia. You know, like there's no reason for anyone to fear math. It's no different than any other subject that you have to learn. And then I would say third is, I don't know, man, just starting this conversation around how to be creative with education. Like the traditional ways of teaching are not working anymore. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing the results from that. So it's time to do something new. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I would love for this to be the start of a major conversation around changing how we think about education. I think that's so necessary. I mean, we're seeing that there needs to be change. And I'm just so excited listening to you and seeing, you know, a fresh thought, a fresh perspective, a fresh, seeing this through fresh lens. And so cheering you on from this cold day in Maryland (laughs) and looking forward to bigger and better things for you. As we get set to wrap up here, I wanted to pick your brain on our couple of resources, or we affectionately call our community our Blazonation. And Blazonation loves me asking or featured guests about books and other resources that are helping them to succeed and to thrive. And so I wanted to pick your brain. Is there any books that you've read or you're reading right now that you would recommend that we add to the queue? Yeah, a book called Traction, Gino Wickman. It's all about trying to figure out how to get, how to scale your business. Mm. Just different tactics for how to, whether it's on social media or, you know, just in general. We're all trying to figure out that question, like, how do we get more traction? So that's a really good book to read. Good stuff. And last question for you, I'll wrap up for today. What's one action that our Blazonation hopping off this call, what's one action they can take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail? Kind of going back to what I said initially, you know, about doing the work, right? So a lot of times we can psych ourselves out by trying to wait for the perfect opportunity to pursue an idea. It's never going to be a perfect time to do it. So you just have to get out and do it. Like I always live by the mindset that what's the worst that can happen, right? And don't psych yourself out. Just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and try it. You know, 
And to be honest, when you have an idea, you really are obligated to pursue it because there's other people that can benefit from your solution. Because one thing you can guarantee is that somebody else definitely has the same problem that you have, but they may not have the creative solution that you may have. So if you have an idea, you're, you're really obligated to pursue it. Because in my mind, I think that's selfish if you have an idea and don't help others. So we need these creative ideas. So just get out there and try it, man. What's the worst that could happen? You added confirmation to something that came to me just last night on that very point you just made. And you know, it's that God's placed a vision in each of us. And if we don't see that vision through, there are many other people relying on you being obedient to be able to receive what only you can give them. Right. That will impact their ability to give the world what only they can give the world. Right. Exactly. And so by way of you teaching students now about how to excel at math and to become confident and to become the next generation of whatever it is that they will grow up to become, had you not created Make Music Count, you would be disobedient to the vision God placed on your hearts and in your mind. And all of these students would not be able to move the needle in the direction that he's positioning them to, to, to go in, right? So it is so important that we take action in that way to, you know, go in that direction that you're being led and understand that it's not just about you. And it absolutely is selfish because there are a lot of other people waiting on you and needing you to take that step forward. Marcus, before we wrap up, share with our Blazing Nation how we can stay connected to you, how we can learn more about you, how we can get access to the app once again. Awesome. Yeah. So to access the app, just search Make Music Count um, in the App Store and the Google Play Store. It works for phones, it works for iPads, tablets, and there's also a web version for those schools that have Chromebooks as well. You can also visit makemusiccount.com, my website, for more information. You can find me on social media, on Instagram, which is at makemusiccount, on Twitter, which is at underscore makemusiccount, and my page is made that. So that's how to find me. And again, our app is free to download. So there's nothing for you to lose by trying us out, and you get two free songs when you first download it. You learn how to play Old Town Road on the piano. And you also learn how to play Isn't It Love from Steven Universe, the the movie. So from there, you know, we'd love for you to subscribe and to see all the different math subjects. And even if you're an adult and you just want a fun way to learn how to play the piano, this will work really, really well for you too. So yeah, we would really love to be able to have you guys try us out. Marcus, this has been such an, I've enjoyed this conversation with you and and just wishing you much success and acknowledging you for taking that step forward, man. Really excited to see not just the success of this platform, but understanding the significance that, you know, you have the potential to bring about through the work you're doing. So in the lives of so many, so God bless you, man. Thank you, man. Really appreciate that. I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. 
Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag Mission Fuel. We'll be able to see you and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at tbpod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now. And a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blaze the Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Your trail.